Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today, we are blessed to have Lee Smith, one of the most insightful authors in America right now. Lee wrote the excellent 2019 book, The Plot Against the President, and has followed it up with the equally great book, The Permanent Coup. This book gives us an even wider and deeper perspective into the less never-ending war against Donald Trump. So, Lee, thanks for being here today. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me on. It's a real, uh, real pleasure. And thanks for the uh, remarkably kind introduction. Very kind <laughs> words. And uh, it's, it's really a pleasure to be with you and get a chance to speak to you and uh, your audience. Great, great. Well, you're really uh, deserving of all that. I, I, uh, I got through the first book and uh, I learned a lot. It was I had a mm -hmm. running joke with my dad that it was hard to get through because you get really upset, you know, when you read about yeah. all these things. And so kudos to you for putting it all in one place. Yeah. And then um, I'm actually then, flattered by that. I've heard that from a few people. I'm actually very moved when people say that because I, I, I did. I wanted to drive home exactly what they'd done and how bad it is what they had done. Uh, not only targeting the, you know, not only targeting the president and, and of course, his supporters and those who voted for him, but also the foundations of the republic. Absolutely. And it's kind of the, one of those things that a lot of us had a sense of what was going on and how bad it might be. But to have you lay it out like that all in one place, it's really uh, it's startling. It's good to know, though. We we all need to know what's going on. And then uh, the latest book, The Permanent Coup, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, that really kind of brings it all home in, ter in terms of what is actually going on out there. And so I wanted to jump right away to uh, this, uh, the hit piece in the Atlantic uh, as mm. another, you know, another example. And I, and I suspect we can, we can expect a lot more yeah. as we get closer and closer to the election. But why don't you talk about that and, and, and how, you, how you see that playing out and, and what has gone into that, that Atlantic piece and, and where we are with yeah. it now? Sure. Well, it's interesting. I'm actually writing about this in my cobble, uh, column for Tablet magazine. I write for, I've been writing for Tablet for about a decade now. It's a, it's a terrific magazine. I hope your audience will will check it out. And not, not only when I have pieces in there, but we have a great staff. Um, the Atlantic story is, is uh, interesting for a number of different reasons. I mean, what we're seeing in lots of ways is is a replay of 2016. And in fact, the author of that Atlantic article was uh, an early uh, Russia collusion adapter. He wrote an article accusing Trump of being in bed with Putin in July 2016. So the Atlantic has been, uh, over the last four years, it's been a reliable put-through mechanism for anti-Trump operations. So that this, uh, this article about, it appears, uh, though we don't know for sure yet because the sources are anonymous, but it appears that they are probably uh, retired former Pentagon officials. Um, and that also fits with what we've seen going on the last four years. Remember how the, uh, how the Russiagate operation unfolded, where we had former uh, current and former uh, intelligence community figures, both foreign and domestic, right? Well, in a sense, they're, they're in, in, in a sense, they're spent, uh, spent forces. Those assets were exhausted, right? No one at this point is going to believe anything. Certainly not Trump supporters are going to believe anything, say, that comes out of the mouth of Peter Strzok, right? He's on a book, tour, pushing his book. And it? so uh, CBS viewers and, and CNN viewers will, will eat it up. But Trump supporters are not going to pay any attention because all of these former spies are spent, right? The idea is, no, so we'll move on to the next 
the next category of officials who might be able to put a dent in the president's support and also active, actually hurt him. And so that's why we moved on now from spies to uh, to the military. Remember before it's, oh, Trump disrespects the intelligence community. He doesn't trust his spies. He trusts Vladimir Putin over the people who tried to frame him as a Putin asset, right? So now we've moved on to the same thing. But again, it's something that it's something that will be familiar to your entire audience because it's the precise same thing that we saw four years ago. Yeah, and so unbelievable too, relative to just watching Trump and his support of the military. And I was six years active duty army. I can see somebody that just loves the military and really, you know, I even think that he, part of him wishes he had served more than he did, you know, all those types of things. And so he's got that opportunity to really help the military. It's just like what he did with the VA alone. I mean, all these things. And so, for them to roll that out and then the anonymous sources. And so I automatically think they don't have any sources. They're just making it up. But if you're going to be anonymous, how gutless is that? Could you just stand up and say who you are so that, you know, it can be counted? Of course. And this is one of the ways that we know it's an information operation. Remember, this is also what they did four years ago. The rolling out all these different anonymous people, the rolling out uh, unnamed sources. Then you saw people trying to confirm the story. And what did they do? One reporter confirmed the four anonymous sources with two anonymous sources of her own. So what does that mean? Were these two anonymous sources among the original four anonymous sources or were these two additional anonymous sources? So that's how I understand it from the uh, from the press background. And the story was obviously 100% nonsense from the outset. But again, the thing is, is that right now, Trump supporters and most Americans generally, even if they didn't vote for the president in 2016 and won't vote again, they understand it's an information operation. Tragically, this is what the press has become because we need a real media. We need a real press to inform us so we can make important decisions about our lives. That's not the press we have right now yeah, at all. Yeah, about it. And I think to move on to another topic, one of the things yeah. I really appreciate that you have done that has been particularly harmful for us folks that live here in Illinois. This is, you know, mm-hmm. suburban Chicago. And, you know, I remember when I first, I, I, way years ago, I saw the first Obama sign. I'm like, who's Obama? Yeah. And so here we are now, right? And so yeah. there's so much that's happened over the years. And, and, yeah. and when he was president, obviously, you know, it's like the... Uh, I just remember Charles Krauthammer one time was asked, you know, Charles, what do you think about this? And he just paused and looked at the camera and said, you know, I'm all outraged out because you just get to this place like, what are they doing next? And it was all this Obama stuff, one thing after another. And then he's gone, but he's not really gone. And so that's the talk to that a minute and, you know, where he lives and what he's been up to, because it seems to me and you point this out, there's like a really strong thread here of Mm -hmm. him being a consistent piece of this. All the way through the uh, even the during the Trump campaign, obviously. Yeah, well, thanks for you know. I mean, thanks for noticing that. I I, I agree. I I think that's I think that's a really important thing. But the the, the point I make in the book is that uh, Barack Obama is the first president to stay in uh, to continue to reside in Washington D.C. Um, after he left office since Woodrow Wilson. So it's a hundred years ago, and Wilson had a stroke. He couldn't move. So why did Obama stay? The Obamas said that they were staying because their youngest daughter was in school and they didn't want to uproot her, which is understandable, even though other presidents have done the same thing. But after uh, after she matriculated at the University of Michigan in the fall of 2019, 
Why did they continue to stay? Well, we now see why. Because Barack Obama is the, it continues to be the de facto leader of the Democratic Party. And as you were, as you were suggesting before, we see his fingerprints, uh, more than his fingerprints. We, we've seen evidence over the, last, over the last few months, which I report in the book, um, the permanent coup that is, this the most recent book, that it's clear that Obama and his vice president, now the 2020 Democratic candidate for president, Joe Biden, they directed FBI chief James Comey to investigate Michael Flynn. Now, even for people, I don't know exactly how you feel about Barack Obama. I think that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be upfront, I'm not a huge fan of Barack Obama and his various policies and initiatives. Nonetheless, I think it is shocking, it is shocking to all Americans to see evidence that a president of the United States was involved in an operation like that, uh, a, a, a totally bogus investigation and an operation targeting Trump officials, targeting General Michael Flynn. It's, 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 it, it's astonishing. And then you know, another document we saw is the number of Obama administration officials who had been unmasking General Flynn's name from the transcripts of classified intercepts. What we understand from that is that Barack Obama uh, nurtured and promoted a culture of espionage in the White House. So for us to see this, for us to see uh, a very different kind of American leadership, which is really much more about, much more uh, similar to a third world style hard Arab security regime with espionage, using the press as well as intelligence services to target domestic opponents. It, it, it's, a, it's extremely dangerous and it's getting even worse now as we're approaching the 2020 election. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I would tell you too, those of us who live in Chicago are not surprised. I mean, you talk about this third world country or Chicago politics, yep, or Chicago take your politics. pick, right? And yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I, I just look at him like, well, he just looked up and said, wow, I got a lot of resources at my fingertips here and I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. And, and I'm gonna go out and say nice words and put on my big smile and, right. and just pretend like everything's okay, but behind the scenes, oh boy. And you know, just talk real quick too, uh, you, you brought up Flynn, uh, yeah. great patriot, three-star mm -hmm. general, yeah. did a lot for the country. Uh, they hate him. They right. really hate him. They had it out for him a while ago. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this guy might yeah. start to dismantle this intelligence community that we know and that we've been yeah. using. And then he might, he knows where some of the skeletons are or might be. So, so talk to that in terms of what yeah. was in, in, they had it in for Flynn leading up to it anyway. In 2016 and 2017, everyone, uh, most everyone in Washington had different reasons to go after General Flynn. The FBI wanted to go after him because he would have been able to recognize what they'd been doing pre-election, spying on the Trump campaign. The CIA wanted to go after him, in particular John Brennan, for the very reasons you said, because Flynn's recommendations for uh, fixing intelligence, which is the name of a famous paper he wrote, Fixing Intel, would have hurt the CIA uh, would have damaged, would have stripped the CIA of certain of its uh, equities, as they say here in Washington. The reason that the White House, that the president himself wanted to target General Flynn is because both the incoming national security advisor, General Flynn, and President-elect Trump had been 
very vocal about their opposition to what they called the catastrophic nuclear deal with the Islamic Republic of Iran, which was nothing but legalizing the nuclear weapons program of a terror state. Understandably, uh, Flynn and Trump were against it and they wanted to undo it. So that's the reason in particular why Obama had it out for General Flynn. General Flynn is interesting. I'm, I'm glad that you raised uh, I'm glad that you raised General Flynn because for people, it's not so much now in 2020, people basically understand what's happening. But when this first started to unfold about 2017, even 2018, and people didn't know what to think of it, what I would do is I would mention General Flynn's name and say, look, the man uh, is a retired three-star general, former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. If he had really been working with uh, an often adversarial hostile power like Russia, and we found this out, it wouldn't be a counterintelligence investigation, right? Looking at him because he had dinner at the same table with Vladimir Putin in Moscow, right? As I, as I report in the book, General Flynn, or the, not General Flynn in particular, but generally the heads of the Defense Intelligence Agency know about a number of extremely sensitive classified programs that help us stay safe, that help, that help keep Americans safe, American forces, but also all of us American citizens. And so the idea that he would somehow be working with a, uh, a foreign power, no, this is when someone gets thrown into a supermax. Alarms go off all over and everyone gets extremely worried about what's going on. So the idea that somehow he was pussyfooting around with Putin, uh, trading, you know, trading messages on napkins at a banquet is preposterous. And that's what should have told people for the last several years that the entire story was nonsense, regardless of what they knew about Donald Trump, regardless of what they knew about Carter Page or George Papadopoulos. If you look at General Flynn and key on the story that way, people should have known it was nonsense right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but as you know, we live in a time now where so much of the media has just been, they've chosen their side. Yeah. And so I'm with you. I wish people would investigate it more, but I also get why sometimes people that don't investigate it all that much get fooled uh, because there's just not a lot of guys like you. And, you know, journalism, it's like the death of truth. At some point in here, people just say, I know what the truth is, but I'm going to do something completely different. And, you know, a guy like you relentlessly pursuing the truth is is all the more important. And I think that that obviously leads to the success of your books, too. So. Um, just a little, <laughs> little editorial on that. It, it, it's it's a it's a you, sad you, time we live in. Thanks. You raised something really. You raised a really interesting point, which I've been thinking a lot about the last several months. The different people in the press who have been pushing this operation, because that is what it is. It's an information operation. What do they tell their friends and family, right? And this is not an insignificant question because it really is about the future of the country. What do they say to their children? Like, Daddy, is, is the president of the United States really a Russian spy? Is that, is that true? So the people who know it's an operation, do they lie to their families as well? Are we creating a culture that is based 100% on lies? Or do they say, no, uh, mommy and daddy just had to do that to push a political operation to help out different friends, or we had to pay that to get you braces on your teeth, or we had to play that to put braces on your teeth. Again, these may seem like uh, tangential issues, but it's very important. How, what kind of society are we building? If it's one based on lies, where does America go? Absolutely, and um, 
not to go back to Obama, but uh, I think he kicked, he kicked off a lot of that. That's, and, and you know, and we're getting this play. And we had Rick Grinnell on last week. And, you know, mm-hmm. the it's, it's starting to get down now to, well, well we're sure they'll tell uh, the truth in front of Congress where they might go to jail otherwise. But that's pretty pathetic. You know, and, and that's a great point you said about, like, what do they tell their family? They'll... They pro- well, they know the truth themselves. They know it's true. Sure. They just know they're lying. So right. I guess if they don't have much of a conscience, I tell maybe they lie to their kids. This is too. what it's happens so, in third terrible. world societies. They're right. split along these lines. Not It's not just partisan. It's split along lines of people have private truths that they hold and there are public lies. That's the danger. Whoever thought that the United States and America, the greatest country in world history, would be facing these problems where you would have had a conspiracy theory as large, nearly as large as the protocols of the elders of Zion, stuck into our public sphere. And that's what we're living with four years later. It's so insanely destructive. Tragically, that's where we are now. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of view that as part of our role here at the PAC. We spend a lot of money on advertising yeah. and things like that. And we're just truthful, truthful, truthful. And if it hurts, it hurts. It's, it is what it that's is. True. We just have to say, you know, if we don't hold on to the truth, then we don't have much else. And and that's 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 a point okay. you made. I just, I hope we, I hope we get it right. So, um, so back to the truth coming out here. So like I said, we had Rick Grinnell on. And um, we talked a little bit about did, I know he did was I know as DNI, I mean, boy, oh, boy, and the work he it. does now, speaking about telling the truth and somebody just stands up and says, here it is. Right. Here's how it's going down. Right. You know, and so and his sentiment was the great. same as yours, where those of us who just love the country are, you know, uh, we're, we're really bothered by it and we want something to be done. And so well, he looked at that and said, these guys are just lying in public and telling the truth behind the you know closed doors to Congress. So we're going to put this out there. So um, what do you think about the Durham investigation? You know, we're all hopeful that something real and good comes out of it. Do you have a sense for that based on people you've been talking to where that's well, going I am to hope- land? I am hopeful about that. I mean, I don't have any particular insight. I, I'm just, you know, going with what everyone else sees publicly. I mean, you know, as I report here in the book, in chapter two, the director, John Brennan, has been claiming to have played a central role in the FBI's operation against Trump starting in uh, spring and summer 2016. And so in the book, I give John Brennan credit for being a part of this illegal spying operation. And we know that uh, Mr. Durham and his investigators spent eight hours with John Brennan interviewing him a couple of weeks ago. Now, if you're spending eight hours with someone, it's not just to brush up on a few details. Right. So I'm optimistic that the Durham team sees what John Brennan has been boasting about, and they took it seriously. So yes, I am optimistic. I, I, this is why Attorney General William Barr came back to serve in government again. Yeah. And yeah. from what he says, Mr. Durham is a serious man, and I believe it. My concern is this, which is the subject of the subject of the book. I saw the graphic you just flashed up. It's like the number of different operations. So Mm -hmm. went into the uh, went into Mueller, right? The Mueller investigation, the you know Ukraine Gate impeachment, the weaponization of the coronavirus, all these all these different things that have been going on. It's four years later. This is why it's called the permanent coup. It continues. That's my concern, right? I, I believe, again, that Durham, there, there will be things to point to what happened in 2016. But what's happening now in the meantime, this is what concerns me. This is what I think is extremely dangerous. And it's not going to end in November, regardless of the outcome of this election, right? Americans 
are going to be in the Americans are going to be struggling for their country. Again, what side are they going to come down on? Not Democrat or Republican. Is it going to be a country that believes in true and real things? Is it going to be a country that continues to pr protect, uh, promote individual liberties, that uh, that 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 uh, nurtures family and community, or what kind of a country will we live in? The good news is, as I try to tell people, because there's a lot of there's a lot of dark news in the book, is that going around and reporting the book, you know, with some of the better known figures like General Flynn, like Congressman Nunes, like Donald Trump Jr., but also you know people who aren't well known, just speaking to people like our neighbors, our fellow American citizens, and they are extremely happy they feel blessed to be living at this time an incredibly meaningful time right which isn't just about donald trump and how donald trump is standing up for people standing up for different fundamental uh for different fundamental issues of the country it's like they feel they're getting a chance to stand up for what they believe in and for what they believe america stands for so that's the good news it's going to be a continued struggle that will go on long past November, but Americans are ready for it. Again, it's, people just feel blessed to be living this very meaningful time. Yeah, yeah. definitely interesting times. And uh, to your point about the kind of what's been the fabric of our culture here, there's I, I kind of view it as this law and order piece, even inside our government. Leakers have to go to jail. Yeah. If you have a job and you're getting taxpayer dollars and you signed up for this job and it says that you're going to keep this secret or, you know, whatever, right. and you get caught not doing that or it's a, it's a law, you broke it, you need to go to jail. And then the other side of it is just truth and journalism. You know, I, I, I bring up Grinnell again. I was watching that video. He's in the press uh press room the other day and he's just giving the reporters a hard time oh, yeah, it's great. basically around yeah well you guys used to just like report facts and you were interested in like yeah. real real things now they all right. view themselves as like these little pundits and they're all like they're little editors and things like so if we can get back to law and order everywhere but you know in the government right. too and you know get back to truth and journalism and and fact reporting i think we'll be in a better place but it's like you like you said it's going to take some time those, those institutions are all broken Right. I mean, they will continue to carry names like The Atlantic and The Washington Post and The New York Times and CNN, but they're broken institutions. Again, the good news is, good news is, is that, um, look, Twitter has uh, a lot of downsides. One of the upsides, though, on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, Parler, whatever, you see that there are a lot of people out there who want real information. Even more impressively, there are regular people out there who are providing real information like I, I didn't know much before I started this four years ago about how to read legal documents the stuff I've learned from people even on Twitter right these are lawyers or you know or these are former uh, former DOJ officials or even former FBI agents but so that's a good thing that people Americans still do need uh, and want this real information and are providing it but as far as the press that we've had for the last hundred years, and they go by names like uh, the Washington Post, yeah, these are all broken institutions, and they—I find it extremely unlikely they'll ever be—they'll ever be, ever be repaired. Yeah. Right? They will continue to carry these names, but and, be, and we, we see people starting to discount them now. Right? I mean, when that Atlantic mm -hmm. story came out, you know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, you know—you know who went crazy over this? People yeah. in Washington, yeah. right. right? People right. in Washington right. lost their minds. People are already predisposed to say, oh, Trump this, Trump mm -hmm. that. 
other people who know what other people say, like, well, I've dismissed these press outlets for years now. I know it's garbage. So it didn't make much of a ripple outside of, you know, outside of the swamp, frankly. Yeah, and that's yeah. always a topic on this podcast is the swamp in D.C. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And so, uh, you know, with Trump, too, I've looked at him so many times and thought, I don't know if there's anybody else that could have put up with this. And I know he does – he gets out of D.C. and goes to his rallies where he sees his supporters and we, you know, we get him energized because he's doing all the stuff that we want done. But, wow, it's been hard. And do you think that there's anybody else that could have done this in this window of time and still accomplished all these things he's done? No, I don't. And one of them, I think the huge the huge advantage he has. And here's why I think it's not just his constitution. The, the real reason, which is clearly hardy. Right. I mean, everyone I know who's spent time with him says he's an extremely hard worker. He never stops working. He doesn't sleep that much. Here's the thing that I think he really has going for him, which if you pay attention to what's happened the last four years, especially the first the first year when they were spying on his campaign, right? They're collecting his communications and reading it, and they're looking for dirt. They've been looking for dirt on Donald Trump for four years now. They found none, right? So they had to make up stories. So I think that at the, I think the, the actual pillar of his strength is the fact, goes back to what we were talking about before. He's clean, mm-hmm. right? He's living, he's living in the truth. You know that had they found anything, had, had Mueller, had the FBI, sure. had anyone found the slightest bit of dirt on Donald Trump, the press, right? They would have gone at it. They would have gone at it full steam, but they have nothing. They had to make up stories about him all the time. So I think, again, that's, that's, that's the real pillar of his strength. The guy is, he's walking the straight and narrow path, and he knows it. He said, they can try to knock me off it, but I know I'm doing the right thing. I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm not doing anything crooked. And I'm here trying to make good on the promises that, uh, that I told the American voter about in 2016. That's my job. And here we, and it appears he has, you know, while they're going after him, it appears he's having a lot of fun at different times too. Yeah, how about and that's one of the reasons why also, you know, why, why American voters get a huge kick out of it. Yeah. He's having fun. He seems to enjoy the job a lot. Sure. Sure. And I think that that's why he's going to win again is that, that core issue of, wow, a presidential candidate who actually did what he said he was going to do. Right. And so right. he just keeps delivering. And so, okay, let's just keep moving along. So I think he's going to win again. I hope he does. What, what do you think in terms of what do you see? He does win again. What's, what, what's, describe what's going to be on the other side of that for a second term. Well, I mean, you know, the resistance will not relent. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a number of reasons they're going after him. I think one of the big reasons is I wrote about this in, in the permanent coup but, you know, I mean, China is an enormous issue, and Donald Trump is the president who decided to, who decided to make good on that promise as well. Yeah, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take on the, I'm going to take on China. Look, this has been a problem on both sides of the aisle in Washington, Republicans and Democrats. Donald Trump decided to no, I'm going to go in and I'm going to take on China. Right. So the issue then is not just the Chinese Communist Party and what they're saying, what they're doing, like the coronavirus. Right. The other issue is the different people, the different Americans, the tech oligarchs, the elites in many ways whose interests are tied up with the Chinese. So that will continue as long as Donald Trump is taking on the Chinese, the resistance 
will continue. Um, so that's going to be, again, it will not abate. So it's not, I mean, I, I'm sure that he is prepared for it. But we as Americans, whether people vote for Donald Trump or not, we should be prepared to see that happen, that they will continue to go after this president and they will continue to go after Trump supporters. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And uh, yeah, we're American citizens. I call those those guys global citizens. You know, they're they're not really citizens of our country anymore. They're, they're just like whatever's best for the world. And that's uh, the Chinese say this thing and yeah. we're going to do it. You know, that that's a really interesting point, because in lots of ways you can in lots of ways. The Republican Democrat divide, conservative liberal divide, with the election of Trump, it started to make less and less sense, right? And so, what is Donald Trump? I mean, he is proudly, and he says, as proudly, I'm an American nationalist. And what does that mean? That means he loves his country, he loves America. So, mm -hmm. yes, to the people. So, who who's out there? How do people divide themselves now? Well, yeah, I'm pro America. It's the country I live in, and I love it. You know, against people who, they're interests and their priorities are not always or even not ever with the advancement of the american interest and the protection of american people american workers american industry we've seen what's happened with the coronavirus how it, how vulnerable we were to a hostile power yeah. so to turn that around so like no we are American nationalist. It does. It's not a nationalism is not a dirty word. Right, just means, right. This is a nation. It's called America. We live here. It turns out we're really proud of it and really happy to be here. Would rather be here than anywhere else. That's so. right. That's right. So we'll keep uh, carrying that banner. That's for sure. Because it's going to probably get uglier, uh, but we just have to steal ourselves for it. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, two great books uh, here in two years. So, uh, so lastly, okay. then what's, what's, uh, what's next for you, Lee? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot of reporting for tablet on uh, leading into the election, writing about China, writing about the different efforts to continue to go after, uh, to continue to go after Donald Trump and the foundations of the Republic. So I'll be doing a lot of, uh, a lot of weekly work as for, uh, as for another book, I mean, I'm not sure right now, but as we've been discussing, I think we're going to see things continue to heat up over the next few months. We're going to see things after the election that will uh, that will need to be written about, that will need to be documented. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what's we'll been not great, what's been not great for the country has been has been good has been good to write about. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's been a good Absolutely. subject. An interesting subject to alert people like, hey, here's what's going on. So That's right. I'm really proud to have had a chance to do it. I I was talking about, you know, neighbors and fellow Americans like I feel blessed right now to be, you know, to get a chance to write about this and to get a chance to to discuss it with, you know, with with you, Doug, among others. So it's it's uh it's a good spot a to blessing. be in. Well, and I think, you know, it gives you purpose. You wake up every day and you realize you're doing great stuff for the country. So. Thanks for that. And uh, we're all slugging yeah. it out all the time. And thanks so, thanks so much for coming on today and for just all you're thanks. doing. And I look forward to uh, at some point uh, seeing another book from you and we'll definitely be following right. you and we'll make sure we'll make sure all of our followers know that, uh, you know, everything about you and, and get the get the word out as much as we can right. about your books. That's terrific. Thanks very much. Well, look, have me back in the meantime, too. Don't make me have to finish a book before I come back. <laughs> right, for sure. I'll work on it. I'll try to get it done as soon as possible. <laughs> that, we'll take you up on that offer. You and uh, your audience. Thanks, thanks. Lee. Thanks, Lee. Thank All right. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. 
Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to 1-312-820-9167.